obedient to what God's doing. So uh, seriously, uh, love on them on the way out. Thank them so much. Uh, hey, Josh, if I can get my stand and my stuff, I'm, I'll be very, very thankful. Uh, otherwise, I'll be walking back here aimlessly like a little lost puppy. Um, but uh, to say the least, you know, here, here's in the middle of, of, of this little semester. We're taking a little bit of a break, and, and, and we're just allowing ourselves to be fully devoted to what God's doing. And um, it's one of those moments of clarity. Thank you, sir. It's one of those moments of clarity where we can have a chance just to talk. And, it's, and I think there, those moments are healthy when we can take a break and literally just dive into some scripture, understand and check our hearts to create in us a pure heart and literally be, be ready to receive what God has in store for us for the next step. And if you, if you haven't been with us, if you're new with us and, and, and maybe you're still struggling, um, you know, hashtag struggles. We just finished that series up. Uh, and it's, it was an amazing series. And if you, if you don't know much about it, I would at least encourage you uh, to, to ask a couple of questions. And by the way, thank you for those who have been posting on, on social media and, and literally just texting me or, or talking to me after the, the series this week. Uh, I, I've been encouraged. I literally have been uh, loving hearing all these st- uh, stories that have been shared uh, about life change. And some of you literally have stopped posting on social media. Uh, others have stopped using the word hashtag before a word. Um, and even you've put down the phone and to discover there's actually a person sitting in front of you. It's, it's really cool to hear some of your stories coming back. Uh, some of you even deleted Facebook altogether. Now, that's just crazy, you know, just to know that God's working through these words, uh, that, that you're responding in a way. Not only did he re- delete Facebook off his phone, he replaced it with the Bible app. So the first thing he sees on, uh, on when he wakes up in the morning is his word. It's just, it's just awesome to see how Jesus is moving. Uh, someone else has changed what they care about in a way. Uh, they've, they've started investing time into providing meals uh, for somebody instead of spending so much time on social media. That, that's just awesome, and they're gonna start to do that weekly. Uh, it's, it's amazing, it's, what's amazing is it's for us to be, just to respond and watch what God does with it. And for us just to be a part of it, I just feel blessed. And so, um, anyways, if you, if you wanna go back and catch some of those sermons, I would encourage you to do so on iTunes or through our, through our website, and just watch what 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 God did through those things because I believe it challenged us all even if we won't admit it uh, because I know, I know it pierced the hearts of some. But, but before we get in today, I, w- I wanna make sure you know where we're going next week because next week we, we, re- we seriously launch a new series and, and, and I want you to invest and invite into somebody uh, as we, we gather here in the loft next week. And this, this, this series is called Necessary Sins. Necessary Sins, you're like, well, wait a minute. I thought there was no, nece- thought, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Well, here's the, here's the truth. We allow certain habits to help us deal with life, but sometimes those bad habits can become a part of our identity, right? It's time to separate ourselves from those necessary habits and recognize them for what they really are, which is sin. And in this four-week series, uh, as we sort of turn the corner into fall, uh, we'll cover, here they are, da-da-da, they'll cover lying, no one does that, right? Gossip, oh man, that one's just getting, it's getting, oh, it's getting deep. Lust, no one wants to admit to that one. Anger, everybody wants to admit to that one. And will teach us how to replace these sin nature habits with obedience and grace. And so if you don't show up, 
next week. Uh, I know that you now, I know what type of people we have up here. Those who do not want the truth, no, they don't want to engage change uh, or, the, or, or just basically grace and obedience. And so, because it's going to get really real, really quick. And I want you to, I want to encourage you to come and see the truth for yourself. And so, um, so back in 2010, if we just take a little step back into our journey, um, I was going through a season of life change myself, uh, and um, this, this picture, this hammock, um, represents a little bit about that life change for me. And some of you know the story. It's, it's not that big of a story. Most people are like, it's a hammock. Um, but this is where everything changed for me. Um, I, I was in tune with what God was doing in my life. I was challenged, being challenged by his word. Uh, I was trying to figure out how to be obedient to him. Uh, I was tr- trying to figure out what it meant to truly trusting him with everything. That's a hard one to understand. Uh, and this, this one right here is, is being fully devoted. That one is the game changer. And I believe God kept on uh, opening up this idea to me uh, of how he called out his first disciples uh, versus what, you know, in, in, you know what would, uh, has become a, a, a nature or a culture in our church area of what, it call, what we call discipleship or disciple. You know, it, it's a vast different from how Jesus said, hey, come follow me versus what we ha- have done on Sunday mornings with it for the past, you know, 100 years. And I knew in my heart there was something different. I knew in my heart there was something more. Uh, And in order for me to fully devote myself to him, I had to become the number one disciple in all things, not just some things. Not just, you know, holding on to certain things like this, but literally I had to trust him like this. And it changed everything for me and my family. And And it really makes a difference in your walk. And maybe you're there, maybe you've experienced that hammock as well. Maybe not my hammock, but your own hammock. And if you have, I, I'm excited for you. And if you have it, I encourage you, come use mine. Maybe it, it may be to happen, but try to find God in that quiet, still moment where he can create in you a pure heart and he can start to form you in a way that radically changes everything. And so as I continue to open up my Bible and search for answers, I found myself just going through the book of Psalms. And in the middle of the book of Psalms, I found this verse, uh, and it's actually the center point of your Bible. If you don't believe me, you can look it up. You can circle this verse. It's, it's a very powerful verse, and it's one of those verses that literally allows us to understand where we should be putting our trust and hope into. And it basically says this in Psalms 118.8. It says, it's better to trust in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to trust in man. In some versions, it says it's better to take refuge. So basically, we need to be pouring everything we have into God versus our own will and our own desires and our own selfishness sometimes. And that's a tough one for me. It's very challenging for me. And I, I knew there, there was no way I could, you know, I could be a part of a culture of, of launching a church if, if I didn't you know, trust God with everything because I was gonna fail. But if I just trusted in Christ, he would change everything. But that meant for me, I had to change what I care about, and it meant I had to allow him to, be, uh, to put the right people in the right place, the right time around me. And sometimes I, I messed that up along the journey. Um, and, and for me, I'll just be quite honestly, I, I, I get in the way sometimes of still that, I, of trusting God. And that's horrible, right? I know it is, but I'm just allowing you into my circle. 
I put the wrong people sometimes in the wrong place, and I do the wrong thing at the wrong time, and it messes things out of balance, what God has in store for us. And so for me, you know, as we go back and start to track some of the things that I've had to go through, you know, I walked away from a salary-based position, and I had to tell our family and friends of our decision to follow him and be fully devoted. And then we started to doubt or stop trusting what what would people think of us in our hometown of launching a church uh, and, and so my wife and I, we made the, 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 the bold risk to go all in and be, to be fully devoted. Uh, we did not know what it meant at the time, um, but we knew that this was not going to be an overnight movement because of our culture that we have in our area. It was going to be hard. It was going to be challenging. It was going to be messy. And we were going to lose friends in the process of this journey. But we also knew that it was going to change our family from the inside out, and it has. We actually adopted four huge words that literally we, we can quote just like this off the top of our tongue at any time because these words have radically changed our family. And these words are long obedience, same direction. Long obedience, same direction. And essentially for us, meaning if we stay laser focused on Jesus and nothing else, He would change everything because when Jesus enters the house, everything changes. Even though it's caused some pain, even though it's caused some other suffering that we've had to go through, and maybe we lose everything. But if we stay focused and we are tracking with him in long obedience in the same direction, he wins. He wins. We don't get the glory. We trust in him. He wins because Jesus makes everything better. And so through these three simple words, we just launched this whole idea of center point. And it's those words that are on these walls. It's, it's on our cards. It's everything that we have. It's centering. It's an action word. It's, it's focused inward towards Christ. It's starting to point towards Christ in the things that we do and reflect. And we start to live in Christ with others. And we begin trusting God to lead us to other like-minded families who gave or who desired the same type of heart to being fully devoted. And in being open and seeing life change in their own family. And and we knew that there was only one man at the end of the day that would get the credit for everything that happens at at Centerpoint. His name was Jesus. If, if we stay true to those three words. It's the hardest thing that we've had to do. There's times and seasons where we want to bend some of those things, but you just can't because they're, they're so focused on one person, it's Christ. And I would say we, we, we had some plans. I would definitely say we had some plans. But truthfully, we didn't understand hardly anything at the time when we launched what was happening. Or as we began to, to do circle groups in our home and, and invest people into people's lives. Or our first gatherings up here at the, at the loft. Or maybe some of the going public moments our blitzes, or how we've done Kidsville, or our student ministry living room, or even our music, you know, we, we just, anything that God has placed and entrusted into our hands, we, we just sort of have just stayed focused and continue to carry on the great project that he's doing amongst us. And so I thought I would be, the best way to describe some of this is, is to literally, um, is to show you. And one of the ways we can show you is, is, is to go back and, and review some pictures. And so I, I put together just a couple pictures that I think would be beneficial for our conversation this morning. 
And you can go all the way back to when we launched in the school, and, and you know, we didn't know what was happening. We were just we were trying to be obedient, gathering a couple people. Kids build makeshift unit in the middle of the, the cafeteria. Some days you didn't know what was crawling on the floor. It was just okay if it wasn't moving, you know. Uh, we gathered in the back end of a trailer, and then eventually we got kicked out of the school, and we, we had to go to a park where we literally were forced to pick up, you know, needles on Sunday mornings and sometimes other things. And eventually God revealed this loft, and it was, it was ugly when we first walked up here. We just had some Michelondike chairs, and, you know, and we just made shift in the corner, and it was just a, a screen and a, and a projector. And that whole blue carpet, it, it was very challenging. We tripped over it, looked ugly. I mean, there's just a lot of, you know, conflicts there. But then we started to build some things, and God started to bless us in ways. And then, then we had a stage, and we could actually put some, you know, musicians up here to lead us in worship. And then we had our Kidsville unit in the back corner, and it was just a small room at the time. And then we had some parties along the way, and these are New Year's, and we had some, some grand old times. And, and then the place started to fill up and pack out on occasion. And in the backyards of homes, we just started to gather and do more ministry in different ways. And across the street at the hub, we'd have coffee nights and music nights, and we just gathered to talk about spiritual conversations and where we work, live, and play, and we just allowed ourselves to be changed. We started to invest into our student ministry in early days, and it led us to go to different trips, and some of the trips were beach trips, and we've seen lives change through those events, and we've seen God do some crazy things, and then we get back to our kids, and and our outreaches, and our blitzes continue to grow, and not just in one location, but multiple locations around town. And that good old fire truck, man, people know that that represents who we are, our love for Christ. It's big, it's bold, it's, it's just, it's so laser focused. And we continue just to give out coats and through our mobile coat room and people engage that. And then we have our little events that we do from, from our, our Halloween blitzes and fall festivals and to our gobble gobble gives where we see hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, literally be fed and, and loved on in, in unique and bold ways. And some of you have participated in those things. And then we turn the page to Christmas because it's right around the corner, you know. And we're able to literally just bless hundreds of people through some resources. And then our Easter blitzes, it's all still in the same location. And then we get to intimately into our discipleship. And when that discipleship hits, we, we learn what it really means to become a disciple and, and to start a movement, a culture, to change lives, to change light bulbs. And then we start to really see people go public with their faith for the very first time because a changed life begins to change lives. And so for us, that's sort of been our journey. It literally has redefined the culture in this, this community. People have begun to lean in and look at what we're doing and, and how we're doing. They ask simple questions. And I come back to this right here phrase. I, can, I just continue to say it's because someone's changed life is now changing a life. It's because my life was changed by Jesus has now allowed me to, to sort of invest into others and see life change. And, and for us, that's sort of one of the things that has been the focus point. Jesus at the center of everything. To see life change, to see it to the fullest. And one of the books along the way in, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament, it, it talks about a guy named Nehemiah. And the book is... Nehemiah. Um, Nehemiah was actually the cupbearer for the king of Persia. But when he found out his hometown of Judah was in need, he, he left and he went home and he began rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. 
He worked hard, he worked diligently, and people began to follow Nehemiah, Nehemiah's vision to rebuild the wall so they could create change, an atmosphere, a culture of change. And eventually, those who did not want to change tried to slow him down, and and they actually schemed against him, and they even tried to kill him. But he was so laser-focused. He was so in tune to what God was asking from him. He, he says something in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3, that has really helped me with the vision of where Centerpoint is and really with, with what he's asking from me individually. And it's, it's helped me be the, the, the leader that I am today. And I want to read that, that passage simply because it's, it, it is so important to understand all those pictures that you just witnessed is basically this verse in motion. Because at any time, there's been a multitude of, of hurt, there's been a, a multitude of messiness, and, and I've gotten in the way of a lot of things, but the truth is that he's doing a great project, and he's doing something that I can never take the credit for. And so the people around Nehemiah were trying to distract him and scheme against Nehemiah to get him to stop so they could literally tear down the wall. And he said this, so I, in verse three, he says, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying, I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Now then you might wonder a little bit more in depth about that conversation or that little piece of scripture. And I would encourage you to dive in to understand the whole background, but let me just focus in on a couple words. A great project, and I cannot go down. I am carrying on a great project, and I cannot come down. You see, along the, the way, we, we know that Nehemiah knew that the task before him, it was a great project that changed the lives, that changed lives, that changed lives. It only took him 52 days to build the wall, but it took him over 10 years to change the culture. But he never lost the vision. He continued to work for the Lord to create heart change in others and for himself. And I pray for us this morning, that is where we're all at. That you and I together can continue the journey that he began within our hearts right here in our own homes, in our own walls, and right here in the loft on Main. Today, we, we get to see life change all around us, in, in my opinion. We, we literally get to go, it, just out there in that room, if you walk out there, you'll see light bulbs. Those light bulbs represent life change. On that wall, it says change life, change life. Those are people who are praying over people who literally want to see them experience life change in a way that radically redefines who they are. And so for us, how we gather, how we worship, and how we're moving closer towards Christ, how we continue to center and point and live, I pray it's for all of us just to lean in and trust him, just like I did in that hammock a couple years ago. We might not know what the next step really looks like, and we just have to continue just to trust him, be obedient to him, and to carry on a great project, and don't come down because he's entrusted it with you, and you need to continue forward. Don't get distracted by Satan's schemes. Don't get distracted by your friends and family. Seriously, stay laser focused on the task at hand and build that great wall or project, whatever God's doing in your heart. And so some of you are asking the question, I don't know what's next. 
I don't know what it really means to, to do that, or I don't know where to turn, or I don't, I don't even know what, if I do this, if I continue to build this, I don't even know what's the next phase. Neither did I. Neither did most of us. When you fully trust in everything, it's just leaning on his understanding and not our own. And I find it in good company that in the gospel of John, John 13, 7, Jesus replied to his disciples. He said, you do not understand now what I'm doing, but you will someday. You may not understand everything that I'm doing right now, but you will someday. And as we continue to carry on this project called Centerpoint, we know we have to continue to create a church to inspire people to follow Jesus because Jesus makes life better. We also know we have to continue to create churches uh, that unchurched people love to attend because we believe you, you can belong before you believe. From those seekers or those starters or those who have returned to the church, we just want you to begin to serve and allow Jesus to do the rest and build a, a project in your own heart. We want to create an environment where kids can't wait to get here and, and where parents can't either because they want to come experience relationships. We want families to love the local church and, and what real relationships can do if we're, we're focused on Jesus. And so back in 2010, we launched the vision. It was birthed in my heart, sitting in a hammock. In 2011, the, the vision was casted to a couple friends in my home. In 2012, we, we put the vision into play and launched it at Jenny Rogers Elementary School right down the street. 2013, the vision was, was put to the test because we didn't know our next steps. We literally didn't. We were sort of lost and wandering in a park aimlessly. But it was an amazing moment and an amazing season because it rained intently that summer. And if you recall, we just said, hey, when God ordained something, he's going to sustain it. And he did. It never rained on us in the park. It was nuts. And the weekend that we got the loft, the week that it came here, it flooded the streets of Danville. There was actually water coming through these windows. It was amazing. 2014, the vision began to gain strength and momentum. In 2015, the vision is to still continue to grow. And now 2016, the vision has a huge opportunity to take a huge, bold step. And so we're not going to be setting up here from a leadership position to beg, bribe, or berate. We don't have to do that here. We're just going to simply trust God. We're, we're, we're going to put Jesus at the center of it. And if it doesn't end up in the center, then we're not going to take that step. Because that's, that's been, you know, our, our focus ever since we launched. And we have some amazing leaders leading the way. And we could actually push the coast button right now because there's some churches that would love to have what we have. We could just sort of just, you know, stop carrying on and come on down from that, that wall and start to do our own little thing and get off track. We could do that. It's so simple. It's, it really is easy to come down. It really is easy to push the coast button and become sterile, not vibrant, not multiplying. It really is easy because it becomes an inward-focused church. But Jesus called us to be more than that. And we, we, we could literally just coast if we chose to. But here's the truth. We want to see something so more. We want to see something immeasurably more. We want to see Jesus do something so grand that only he gets the credit for. There's nobody else. There's nobody in this room that gets the credit for except Christ and Christ alone. 
We want to see Kidsville and Living Room eh, to blow up in ways we've never begun to dream. And we want to see a location just to be stable in an environment that's safe and, and productive and we're seeing life change. And, and we want to see ministry at a very high level at any time of day. As well, we want to see what, what happens when we take a step of faith in a huge and bold way. We may not fully understand it, just like in John chapter you know, 13, 7, where Jesus said, you do not understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Someday you will. So when we think about where we've been and what we've done, it, it, it is truly unprecedented for our area and our region. And now we have an unprecedented opportunity to make a difference in our city, our region, and our world because we can become a stable place for years to come and no longer worry about what happens in two years. And if you don't understand that, let me explain it. In two years, our contract runs up with this location. And we can, we can continue to, to, to throw away resources and, and use them for renting. And that's true, we could do that. But what we have a desire to do is just to be open and, and trusting what God's trying to do through us. And, and I believe that God's trying to reveal to us, because we've had a team of, 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 of our leaders been praying over this for the last eight months. God just continued to show us even in the month of May, we, we had a team of, of 12 people who said, I'm going to fast. I'm going to take a pause, and I, I'm going to fast from certain things, and I'm just going to ask God for favor. Matter of fact, we've got people praying right now literally over this decision that's before us, and you're asking, well, what's the vision? What's the decision? What's, what's going on? Well, the opportunity before us is simple. God literally has opened up a door for us to, to purchase this floor and the second floor. And that is amazing. And I go back to that verse 13, 7. You don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. I'm going to be honest. I know the Bible says 365 times, do not fear, do not, you know, be scared. And I'm not really fearful and I'm not scareful. That isn't even a word, but it's okay. It's in October. I'm just asking God to show off and show up. I'm asking him to do something immeasurably more. So my wife and I and our friends and our family who launched this idea, this vision, we can just sit back and say, oh my goodness, we are working on something that is so laser focused on you, only you get the credit for. And some of the pain that we've gone through, when we sit back and we just see ministry in motion at a, such a high level, it ripples on to the next county over. We just don't get the credit for it. He does. And I'm scared. Because I know what can happen. We can become off-center. We can become laser-focused on ourselves. It can point inwardly. And we can stop living together as groups. So yeah, I'm kind of terrified of what those things look like. But the truth is, man, I'm excited because of the potential that lies beyond what I can see, what I can visibly see before me. And so therefore I trust in him. That's all I got. That's it. Ever since that first moment of 2010 of uncomfortableness, sitting in my hammock in my backyard, 
complete uncomfortable. My wife, literally sitting on the front row today, she can testify. She thought I was cheating on her because I was sitting out there for weeks at a time just on a computer, literally asking God, what is up? And I said, I'm just going through a season of change and I don't understand what's going on. I thought I was dying, honestly. I thought I was sick to my stomach. I went to the hospital a couple of times. They said, no, you're perfectly fine. I said, well, I don't know how I'm gonna explain this one to her. And what God was trying to do, he was trying to change my heart. He was trying to change what I cared about. And when he finally woke me up, because it had already woke her up a couple years in advance, and I was just too stubborn to listen. We have an opportunity before us right now to, to really listen to God. A church less than a couple years old to be able to take on a task like this simply because God's presenting it, it requires everybody to be on board. It requires all the hearts to be on board and pointing in the same direction to, to literally to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's the only way this thing works out is for you and, and I to, to fulfill the mission of what Centerpoint's statement was when we first launched, is to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. It's not just a catchy phrase. It's, it's, it's literally a great project in the works, even though we don't understand it. It's to continue to be devoted, even when you don't have the energy, or you're struggling, or you're scared. However, when we did it for the mission of doing everything short of sinning, to see people come to know Christ and light bulbs in the lobby light up for the mission of seeing the person tie for the very first time and being generous with all of their resources and for the mission of trading in our time to seeing God do something great in our kingdom to the mission of seeing lives change for those going out and changing lives, to the mission of seeing marriages put back together for the very first time, to the mission of seeing people walk away from addictions and habits that's killing them, to the mission of seeing people give their lives to Christ and go out and change the world as we know it. I'm going to tell you right now that Sarah and I have given our lives to this mission, and I pray you, you will consider what it means to you as God has placed this opportunity before us to take a leap of faith. I want to leave you with this one question. This one question that I pray that changes in your, your life today. And for some of you, you, you have been with us since the beginning. And others, you're just now getting on board and you're joining and wondering, what does all this mean? And, and no matter where you are in your life, and no matter whatever the opportunity is before you, how you are coming to know Christ or where you're at in Christ's relationship, whatever the next step is, and you might not understand it, but I'm going to ask you this simple question because this right here redefines who we are and it allows us to, to continue on our great work. And the question is this. What does love require from me? What does love require from me? You see, for God so loved the world that he sent, he sent his son, Jesus. He sent Jesus to us. And now the question is, is what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do? How are we going to respond? Is it to start to serve? Is it to start to center? 
and maybe it's to be fully devoted. And I'm asking you today as you begin to, to join us in prayer, as we begin to, to cast vision, to lean into Jesus and trust him more with this project called Centerpoint, whatever comes away, I just pray together. He gets the credit for what he's doing. And so I've asked my wife to come up here and, and, and just literally join me as we just sort of have a small conversation as we wrap this up. And, and it's one of those moments of clarity where we can just ask one question. Guess I'll leave that. Yeah, you can stand up. It's okay. okay. Very informal here. They're not there. <sighs> but what does love, what does love require of you in this journey? I asked him last night what he's going to have me say, or what he's going to ask me. He said, you'll see. So, um, He requires all of my desires that I have for my family, for myself. Um, he requires me to lay it all down. All the hopes and dreams that I had that I thought that was the plans that we were gonna have together to lay them down. I've been fighting with the Lord lately. I've been really upset because some things that I wanna do with my family, because I wanna you know, go away for a little bit on a trip. And um, he let me know yesterday on the way home, we had a date night last night for the first time for a long time. And I just started crying because he said, why are you so worried about all the things that you have that you want and you think that is good for your own kids? I know what's better. And he reminded me of all those kids that are hungry, that, are, that his kids that are hungry for just food and for him. He reminded me at that moment that he has such greater plans and that my heart should be broken for the sinfulness that I was feeling of what I thought we deserved. So it's laying that down, require the love that requires for me is everything. All my hopes and all my dreams, my money, um, our time, our resources. Everybody loves to share how much, what we need to do for our own family. But God keeps telling us that he wants us to keep our eyes on him, to focus on him and not of the things that the world keeps telling us that we need to focus on. And through that, it requires everything to lay it all down. Not to fight anymore for the things that I want in my will. To lose control. So it requires everything. It's a daily surrendering and picking up the cross every day to realize that God has so much more for us, each individual, instead of all the things that we think we want that holds us together or who makes us who we are now. He has so much more for each of us. He let me know that last night and it was very hard because I had to give up something that I've been wanting for so long. So. We love our kids. We want to do what's best for our kids, right? But what we think is best for our kids is not always the best. God has so much greater plans. So it's laying it down and letting life and living his path, his narrow path, not the big one that you see everybody else living. 
It looks different. It's uncomfortable. It's not going to make you happy. But you sure will be filled with his joy and his peace. And he will change your lives forever through it. So that's what love requires of me. And so the question is now presented to you. What does love require of you? I just ask that along the way, man, there's been some amazing friendships been developed here. And we've taken big steps. Um, and it's been awesome to watch what God can do through one act of obedience. And before me, there's at least 100 some odd people in here. And so I, I just say there's over 100 acts of obedience ready to be willing to step out in bold faith if you're willing to say, Jesus, I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. And when that happens, when that moment of clarity happens, get ready. You'll start doing and carrying on a great project for the Lord in a way that can redefine relationships. It can change his cultures. And more importantly, it will change a life. You have to ask that first question. What does love require of you? I would ask that you join us in this journey in a way that can redefine our culture. It could change your life, but you can return, it could change others. So Jesus, we just ask favor. We ask favor over, over what we're doing. Change lives, change lives. God, I just, I just pray that when you sent your son, it wasn't just out of vain. It literally is because you loved us so much, you wanted us to turn towards you. And I just pray for this heart change to happen so naturally in a way that fear is casted aside. And we're laser focused on what it means to center and point and to live for you and you alone. And Jesus, that only comes when we surrender fully to you. We're fully devoted to one master, one author, one king, and it's you, Jesus. And so today, man, we just, we celebrate what you're doing through Centerpoint. We celebrate what you're doing through the vision. We celebrate how you're continuing to create life change around us, how you continue to provide for us and give us a small glimpse of the, the future. Even though we don't understand it all, we just, we just lean in and trust you. So today, whatever, whatever decisions being made in front of me, I just pray favor over them. They trust you with their lives with their finances, with their marriage, with their children, with everything, every circumstance they can come comes their way. I just pray that they start to work and carry on a great project for you that can literally redefine our world. So God, today as we just stand and sing, may we be obedient to love. In your name, amen. Just for me. He is jealous for me. He is jealous for me.
Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree living beneath the weight of His wind and mercy. And all of a sudden, I am unaware of His affliction eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us.
to 